This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today. to another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. This is your host, Brian Amaro, in the house. And it is a very wonderful day in San Diego. It's a little fortuitous, if you will, being that it's election day. And we happen to have a very special, very awesome, very sweet, kind-hearted, in my experience of her, uh, chairwoman of the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, Kristen Gaspar. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Brian. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm excited to get into the episode today. Uh, I think it's kind of funny that you're here like on election day. I know. It's almost therapeutic, right? It just seems like the whole world is chaotic around us and we're here in a nice, cozy studio doing this podcast. So I'm so happy to be here and not out there waving signs or doing any of that stuff. Uh, Totally. Serendipitous. Kind of funny how the universe works like that. That's right. Totally not planned, but here we are, and uh, we're going to get right into it. You ready? I'm ready. Thank you for being on, and question number one, Kristen, what is your vision? My vision for San Diego is one where people can live healthy, safe, and thriving lives, and thankfully, the county of San Diego has really decided to do things in a much different way. You think about typical government just taking care of people. Well, we've flipped that model completely upside down. And over the last eight years, we've really been on a mission to build a coalition. We're looking to our nonprofit community. We're looking to our community members. We know we have a lot of challenges in the San Diego region. And we can solve them if we build a coalition. But if we sit around waiting for the government to fix things, we all know we're in trouble. That model's not working. That may be responsible for why we're the place where we are today. So it's really nice to be at the county and to help further this vision and the work that I'm doing. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to hear more and more about this. I can tell your enthusiasm, your passion, and I cannot wait to dive into your story. Thank you. Well, let's keep going before we get there. Question number two, what what do you love? Well, I love my family. I'm a mom. Most people know that I have three young kiddos that I absolutely adore. How old are they? They are now 13. Yuck, that age. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) I have a new 11 and uh, almost nine-year-old as well. So things are very busy in my household. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I spend a lot of time outside of my job coaching Pop Warner Sports. So. If I look like I'm a little lethargic, that's because I just got back from my squad of 16 girls. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we are at the qualifiers for national cheerleading competition. Oh, check it out. Magic Mountain. couple days there. Oh, rad. I'm lucky to be here today. Yeah, heck yeah. I love my work. So I feel very balanced. Mm -hmm. At all times, my world is busy and chaotic. But like I said, I wouldn't trade it for any other thing. I go to bed every night thinking that I've made a difference in someone's life, and that's so rewarding. Oh, my goodness. You know, um, I can hear gratitude 
you know, in your voice right now. And, and having that attitude of gratitude, I mean, moves the world. Well, you hear a lot about servant leadership and the lack thereof. I, I grew up in San Diego County and I grew up with a single mother and she had to work so hard to raise us in San Diego. As you know, it's just challenging to make ends meet. And Mm -hmm. That wasn't supposed to be her story. Her story was supposed to be one where she raised a family at home, stay at home mom, and that Mm -hmm. world quickly changed. Mm -hmm. And so watching her do that and her work ethic made me very grateful, just baseline to live here Mm. and very much committed later on in life to establishing myself. But at the same time, taking the time to give back to the community, it's so important. And we need more people in elected office, especially that aren't there for the title, mm-hmm. they're not there for the glory. It's It really isn't a glamorous right. world we operate in in politics, but people that just want to serve their community. Well, and it sounds like you had a great role model. I did. And, you know, one thing I'd like to see is is it's about who you be. Yes. And elected officials are in a position to be role models. I mean, they, people look up to them they do. to solve problems. What I tell people a lot about is a story where I went to pick up pizza. This sounds terrible because I should be feeding my kids something healthier. But I was at a late night meeting. I left my name tag on. I went to pick up a pizza, something very simple. And I ran into a mom in line. And she said, hey, you're the mayor. Do you have a second? I'd really like to introduce you to my daughter. She's been having a tough time at school. She's been bullied. I think it's really important that she meet a woman that's in a position of power that she looks up to. And you don't think about those little things that matter so much. And that meeting in line that day fundamentally changed the course of of her life and how she dealt with negativity being thrown at her. The thing about politics is we have negativity thrown at us all the time, and we have to manage that well. Yeah, wow. No, I I dig it. And, you know, one thing I notice about communication or one thing I know is that a lot of what's being said is nonverbal. Correct. And especially as an elected official, you you walk into – there's nothing you need to say. You're already being judged, scrutinized, elevated – decelerated all of these things all at once. And that's, that's before anything's even spoken. It took about 18 (sighs) months to really get used to that, to not be able to just go sloppily to the coffee shop and think that people weren't going to recognize you and start asking you questions and things of that nature. So at all times you are serving as a role model Mm -hmm. and our elected officials should be role models at all times. Do I think all of them are? Probably not. No. And certainly we're humans too, right? We all make mistakes and we have to react yeah. to those mistakes accordingly. Well, and some of those those human elements, I think, create vulnerability. And when I can feel like a person of power is vulnerable, yes. it makes me love them. It makes me connect with them. <laughs> people like real people. Let's yeah. just be honest. I, yeah. I've had situations when I first ran for office, I had an eight-week-old, a two-year-old, and a four-year-old. Now, having toddlers and being an elected official is a whole new experience, but I would go out in public sometimes and they would do embarrassing things. Yeah. And people would come up and say, oh, this is so so relatable. Mm -hmm. We just love this about you. Well, and you get to, you know, request support and and have a team behind you. And and that's one thing, you know, I've learned as, as owning a business is I was always used to kind of doing it on my own. And as you kind of go higher and higher, that's what real leadership is, yeah. is having that team inspiring, motivating, encouraging, 
supporting and then kind of getting it too so that you can further advance your agenda, your mission, what you believe for the good of society and in the good of your heart. That's right. I view myself a little bit as a catalyst. I don't have to be the smartest person in the room at all times. I know that I have go-to people in almost every area doing positive work around this community. The thing about San Diego, we have three and a half million people here. Yes, we do. Talented, brilliant minds here in San Diego, very giving community that we live in, our philanthropic Mm -hmm. community. People call or answer the call for help. They just need to know how to help and how to give back and how they can be involved. And I'm inspired by people every day. I've chosen to work with the toughest populations of people. Yeah. I work with the homeless, the addicted, and the incarcerated. Yeah. It's tough to raise your hand to work with these populations of people, but I wanted to do this because the stories are so inspiring that I work around. I get to watch people transform their lives, to be in the darkest place Mm -hmm. and to come out of that and to figure out how I can assist people in that journey. So instead of just taking care of them forever, how do I help you when you're in that dark space ready to change, Right. move past that place of vulnerability? And in doing so, I have to be vulnerable as an elected leader as well. Totally. You got to be about it. And, you know, my experience of you thus far is that you totally are, Kristen, and you're you're such a natural flowing right into, you know, where we want to go next. And and it's this this population of incarcerated, homeless, addicted. So often it's not usually giving. That's the problem. I find that people want to give, but it's always when and how. And there's a time that's appropriate as opposed to being enabling And before we get there, I want to go into one last question. We'll get some context on you and then let's dive deep. Great. What, question number three, what is an experience that has shaped or formed your life? Well, I think some of these personal journeys that I've watched. uh, Certainly, I haven't been a stranger in my own family to stories of addiction. And I always wondered, how do people become homeless, for example? Don't they have families that love and care for them? Where are these families? But it wasn't until I really uh, had direct experiences with people that had issues with addiction that led to all these other things. Right. But I recognized you can have all the love in the world, you can have all the resources in the world, but until that individual has chosen to make those changes, they can't be helped. Right. So some people define me as um, having tough love. Yeah. And I work around some pretty inspirational people. One is Clarence Carter, who works for the Office of Family Affairs. Shout out, Clarence. Shout out to Clarence. (laughs) But he said, you know, we need to start redefining compassion Mm -hmm. as a society altogether. Because what people call tough love is actually the genuine love for people, the recognition that people may be in a very vulnerable place, but they have these qualities inside of them where they are ultimately resilient. They have to rediscover it, and it's up to us to help them rediscover it. And when they are ready to change, we have to be ready to support them on that journey. Right. And so it wasn't until I had this direct experience that I recognized government has become enablers. We've just become a big body of enablers where we're throwing resources at things that can't be fixed. We have to really overhaul and change our thinking, and that's tough to do. Well, and you empower the people to take responsibility, and then they get to own it. That's right. And when they own it, they get to own the worth, they get to own the value, they get to own their voice, their importance, 
And it's a sense of self-esteem, of pride, something they can feel good about. You know, so often, you know, as a treatment center owner, I am constantly in conversations with families. It was just in one yesterday where I'm telling the family, like, look, we need to raise the bottom up. Yes. And what that looks like is a conversation where you come from a place of love, like, baby, I love you. Yes. You can always count on me to be honest with you. Yes. And right now I need to be honest. The way you're living doesn't work. Right. And I'm not going to sit back and watch you destroy yourself. Yes. And it's a very painful thing to say to a loved one is, right. look, you come to me when you're ready. Yeah. And I am your biggest cheerleader, your yeah. biggest champion. But until then, I can't sit back and watch you destroy yourself because it's also destroying me yeah. in that process. And it, there's something about that freedom when people realize that they're, they're self-sufficient. Yeah. They're not dependent on anyone else. I sat with somebody that was in charge of you know, overhauling uh, the homeless situation in San Diego. Yeah. And they said, well, all we need to do is give these people homes. That's all the hope they need. Mm. And How'd I that said, go? <laughs> <laughs> not very well. Mm. Because I looked at him and I said, what you're describing is a death sentence for mm-hmm. so many people. Yeah. The house isn't the hope that they need. It's building on those small successes and it yeah. takes time. Make no mistake, these huge life changes, this right. rewriting of your story doesn't happen overnight. But you build upon small successes. And for some people, it might be just waking up on time because Mm -hmm. that's an essential part of actually maintaining employment. Right. So it's little things over time and building on that, that builds pride. Yeah. And ultimately, what I think is the American dream, people that are self-sufficient. Right. And then giving back. Uh, What I love about people that have been through that recovery journey. Yes. Most of them... Well, all of them are the strongest people I'll ever know, much stronger than I'll ever be Mm. to have gone through that. Yeah. But at the same time, I rarely find somebody that doesn't want to share that journey with somebody else. Absolutely. They're committed to, okay, how do I help the next person? That's why I've really been an advocate for those who have uh, been through recovery to not be ashamed to share their story. We need those stories right now more than ever. We need to give people the hope that, they can come from a very dark place. Yeah. And the, the people I work with, the incarcerated, these are people with extensive backgrounds with law enforcement, 25 time plus arrest records. People oh, yeah. You think you I think I know a couple help, of them. Right? Yeah. We have one right now, 48 yeah. arrests. Holy shnikes. Right? But crazy. It's, it's crazy to think that these individuals can, can move forward yeah. and be... assets in our community versus the liability they are today. The gift is in the giving. Yeah, but we have to hear from them. And so often when, you know, these people are given that chance, their, their testimony, their story carries such depth and weight that it's not words that people are listening to. They're like little arrows that people feel that hit you in the heart. And that's when I think real movement can happen. When people can get an emotional charge to a message that is delivered and penetrated into the souls, that's no longer fluff. That's no longer BS. That's authentic. And people are moved by that energy. And I hear that when you share, Kristen. Seriously, I I wish y'all could have been there. Uh, Kristen was the main speaker at the San Diego Society of Addiction Professionals. She is a bleeding heart for the downtrodden. And those that kind of need the most support. 
And I love the approach that you take because so many people are like, oh, we should do something or like, here, let's just throw some money at it or fix it. And that's, that's, or, or, oh, like we should do something, but not me. Right. I'll let someone else do it. And it's not giving that's the problem. It's when and how and how to be effective with it. And so I commend you on your strategy and your approach. I want to give our listeners a little context on you. Sure. Uh, just a little background. So we kind of, you know, get to know more about you. And then let's talk about some of your um, ideas, plans, and we can get into addiction. We can go wherever it goes. So you're San Diego born and raised, uh, youngest chairwoman to be elected. How like how did politics end up being something you cared about? Like Gosh. that's kind of interesting. It was never supposed to be part of my story. Yeah, what's how did that happen? For sure. But like I said, I grew up in in San Diego in North County with with my mom and she was very inspirational to me. So giving back was going to be part of that, but there are lots of ways you can give back. It didn't have to include politics. Right. When I grew a business with my husband, we have a physical therapy company in North County and Started out very small, 700-square-foot space. We grew that to seven office locations. Dang, there we go. (laughs) About 140 employees. And as an employer, I just recognized this burden that we carry every day to make smart choices, to stay in business, because behind those employees are hundreds more that are counting on us to get it right. So stress, stress, stress to be a business owner. But I did see the disconnect between elected leaders that were making decisions that fundamentally impacted my business, and they didn't understand the business community or even value the business community. That was part one. Two, I started to grow a family. So with my three kiddos, uh, my eight-week-old, my two-year-old, four-year-old, and giving back a lot in community service. I was the president of the Rotary Club. Shout out Rotary Club. Shout out Rotary Club events and needed. (laughs) But it was, I was giving a lot of time, but it Mm -hmm. felt very disconnected. I had my business world, my family, I had nothing. Was it all kind of siloed? It was siloed. Okay. I said, how do I tie it together with a big bow and give back in a bigger way? And so the thought of running for city council came to mind. Okay. I blame hormones because nobody runs for city council with these toddlers and infants. Yeah. But I did. And I immediately, when I decided to do it, packed them up in a wagon and literally just started walking door to door. Let me, I want to hone in on this because sometimes these significant life events, like was, was it a vision? Was it just a random thought? Do you, do you kind of remember the moment that? It's you... not glamorous. I was sitting at a yeah. signal in Encinitas. Okay. And I looked over at a campaign sign because elections were on the way. La di da, do do do. And it was like that aha moment of this is how I tie it together, because these five people that sit on this board make or break my quality of life for my family, oh. for my business, okay, and everybody else in the community. Yeah. And I don't know who they even are or what they represent, but yeah. I, it's doubtful they represent me because mm. it's it's doubtful that many people in the thick of growing a business and a family. Go, hey, I want to run for political office. Yeah. And I didn't need the job at all. Right. I, needed, <laughs> I did not need that job. But the job almost needed me mm. because you're losing a whole group of people. They go unrepresented because running for city council is something you do when you're charged up over an issue, when right. you're retired. It doesn't pay. I got paid three cents an hour to be the mayor of that city. <sighs> so wow. I think it's a. It was really important that I made that decision. I don't regret it at all. It, uh, I walked 
to probably 12,000 homes. I had no Dang. idea that even my own city wasn't politically aligned with the letter behind my name. Right. But it didn't matter. I was showing up at people's door. I was showing them a real person right. who ultimately just cared about the community. And that was it. It didn't matter. I ran against two incumbents, beat them both. Yeah. Went on to run in the city's first ever elected mayor's race and became the city's first elected mayor before I ran for county supervisor. You know, and that's so sometimes the odds seem like they're stacked against you. Right. And I can only imagine how many people were probably like, yeah, that's why would you do this? This well, isn't a good is idea. Who even and, is and, this person? And who are you? <laughs> and and no one's going to vote. And it really hits a key a key point that I like to work with when I'm working with people who are coming out of addiction is what's your vision? Right. Because so often are people living from how they feel. Mm -hmm. And if you live from how you feel, your emotions are going to be like a wave. Oh, every day, all day long. And yeah, constantly. Just high level, overarching, what is your vision? What does it look like? And And that's why I was happy that the county has a vision. Yeah. How many cities have a vision? They have a vision statement that yeah. nobody adheres to. It's on a dusty shelf somewhere where they created, you know, a mission and a vision and yeah. some strategic planning. Right. But it's not a strategic plan because no one adheres to it. Mm. You know, what we were trying to do as a county was say, Here, here's our overarching vision. Do you agree? Yeah. Do you agree that we should all live healthy, safe, and thriving lives? And if all the decisions don't relate back to that vision, we're missing the mark. Absolutely. And, and so then we can be aligned in taking committed action. Yes. And then what starts to happen, at least in my experience, is it doesn't matter how I feel. Not at all. Now does I'm it living. Match or now, does it not? Yeah. Now I'm living from something inside of me. Well, I was told before emotions follow. Yeah. You know, you can't let your emotions always cloud your thinking. Or no one would ever go to the gym. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. Right. But once you're there, it's good. You feel good about yourself once yeah. you leave. But getting yeah. there, yuck. No mm -hmm. one wants to do that. Well, yeah. some people do, but I think they're a little crazy. Well, and, and you know, they, that's where they, I think the discipline and maybe some other, some other ways of being that have been either learned or ingrained start to take hold and start to sustain yes. and provide um, longevity. Well, look at successful people in general, whether it yeah. be in business and life, whatever. They're very focused. Totally. They, they don't have time for all the outside noise. They stay very focused in yeah. what is the next task at hand. And it was interesting when I attended a lot of the family meetings in recovery mm -hmm. That some of the principles I operated by were principles they were teaching in recovery. Yeah. When people asked me how I manage this chaotic day, I said, well, I don't manage the day at a time because the day seems very chaotic. Absolutely. So people who know me know I look at my schedule for the next day at about 10 p.m. And I think, how do I make it through this day? But right. not the day in total. How do I make it through the first two hours of this day? Right. Sometimes that's too chaotic. So I bring it down to... 30 minutes. Yeah. And if that's still too much, it goes down to the minute, to the second, whatever mm -hmm. it takes to just manage it, yeah. staying focused and taking a breath and recognizing that there's a lot of things happening around you at all times, mm -hmm. but you have to remember what's most important and what you're trying to achieve. Right. And it comes back to, yeah, what am I here for? What's my vision? And when I'm living from that, I can create, I can expand Life is abundant. I, I love it. I want to I want to hear some of your ideas, some of the things that you're committed to creating in San Diego. 
Do you want to tell us about some of your plans with the incarcerated, with the addicted, with the homeless? Sure. Yeah. Well, I feel like I've found my purpose. It took a little while because when I came to the county, I noted all sorts of vulnerable populations that we have. We have a lot of homeless, incarcerated, and addicted, don't we? And it's funny because they all overlap. So I started saying, you know, how do people become homeless in San Diego? Now, a lot of our population are former military. We are a military town. We literally have thousands of transitioning military coming out each year. Shout out military. I know, exactly. It's so important. We play this vital role in national security right here in San Diego, which is Mm -hmm. really awesome. But when they're coming out, they don't necessarily have the vocational skills to get a job that pays well enough to live in San Diego. Right. Many have families. So they're left in a situation where they can't really survive here. But shame on us for not seeing that if we were only to provide those opportunities up front, we could prevent all of that. So what kind of opportunities? Let's yeah. let's talk about that. So a couple things I'm working on. Yeah. One is strengthening the vocational training for those transitioning out of the military. Okay. These are good paying jobs that will allow people to live sustainably. We have great community partners. Yeah. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Workshops for Warriors, I hope people look into. They're doing amazing work. Workshops for Warriors, shout out. Yeah, they are getting people placed and retained in Good paying jobs out of 14, 16 week training programs, just restoring purpose for those who have served us in the military as well. On the incarcerated front, this is a larger challenge. Yeah. I pass by this dilapidated building outside the county each and every day in my commute. And I thought, gosh, I have an idea. I have a vision for that. Nobody wants this building, but I do. Because what if we had a place, a a place where people could come live. And it would be a little bit like a university. It would give the people the time they needed to heal, to recover from addiction, to acquire vocational skills, a one-stop shop place and time that they Get that college experience. Right. right? And link it back to the employers because I'll be the first to raise my hand too as an employer locally. We have a lot of choices when it comes to hiring. You know, and I think that as business owners, I'm not sure that they're always even aware of what's out there and what resources are available that and like that disconnect that can kind of exist from the private business world to what's going on in the county, city, government world. Oh, absolutely. And how how they can collaborate, really. Well, it's disconnected and we have a lot of problems with society as well because well, red tape. Well, right? if you look at if people have a misdemeanor even on their yeah. record, You're at such a disadvantage here. And it's a real shame because we have a number of people who have done extensive things to get their life back on track. Yeah. And they can't get employment. So I Mm. thought what they need is time and they can have that accountability incorporated back into life and really rebuild. So I told this to enough people till I told it to the right person and someone's eyes lit up and they said, you've got to get with me on a plane. We're going to Salt Lake City. And right smack dab in the middle of beautiful Salt Lake City is the first mayor's mansion where Mm. exactly what I described exists. There are 70 students who they actually have to go back and check their records to make sure that they've actually been arrested 25 times or more. Oh, I love it. (laughs) To qualify to live here. Now, of course, the community went nuts. They didn't want this happening. What are you doing these we are... can't let these unsafe people here in our community, which, by the way, these unsafe people are already in your community. Mm-hmm. They're living out on the streets currently, yeah. and they have no chance 
at doing anything productive without some help. Yeah. So at this point in time, the community adores the Other Side Academy. The Other Side Academy, good shout out for Other Side Academy. Look it up. Dave yeah. DeRozier, who is a student there, uh, talks in a TED Talk about how he spent the first half of his life literally destroying people and is committed to the next half of his life making a difference mm -hmm. and improving the lives of thousands more. Yeah. So we're bringing this concept, the Other Side Academy, which, by the way, zero taxpayer dollars. Hey, they shout out. We love that, right? <laughs> they started a social enterprise. It's called We Move Lives. It turns out that criminals are good at moving people's stuff. Yeah, they are. So they're fully booked. They're the number one rated, the most expensive moving company in all of Salt Lake. But people recognize they're doing two things. They need a mover. But at the same time, they're fixing a big societal problem that mm -hmm. we have, yeah. allowing people to be empowered and strengthened, get back on track to be assets in the community. Yeah. So they really are moving lives at a rapid pace. And now we're bringing that model yeah. to San Diego. It was my number one goal for the state of the county this year was to do this one project, to bring this one thing to San Diego but this is a call to action, too, because yeah. I'm going to need a lot of people who have been in this situation that have had these tough life experiences. Yes. I need calling all people that were liabilities in our community that are now assets because we need to tell this story yeah. that people can change. Absolutely. And we need to support them in the right way. But it's all hands on deck because we're working against a community that may not view all these things, these opportunities as favorable. Yeah, and the opportunity has to be there for someone who's made that reform, who's who's had that inner change to give back for it to be sustained. Absolutely. People I watch people that have changed every day of the week. How, how do you come up against the resistance or people that are just really committed, you know, to being right about why these people can't do this or why you can't do this or, or they're ne it's never going to happen. And what are you doing, Kristen? You need to knock it off and like focus on these other issues. How, well, what do you do with that? Well, a number of elected leaders focus on the worst case scenario at all times. Yeah. Like, what do you do with that guy that's been living on the streets for 60 years? Well, guess what folks? That's not the bulk of the people that we're seeing out on the street. Yeah, 80% of the people that I see that are homeless are addicted. I look at them and I see hope. I see the opportunity as soon as they're ready for it, that they can recover. Now they're not already right now, but trust me with the extensive population of people we have living on the streets, there are enough people who are ready now. That's why it was important to also improve our drug alcohol recovery system for San Diego. Thank you. Hallelujah. Ugh, we were spending about $30 million. Mm -hmm. We have now invested and leveraged state federal funding. We have put in $140 million in yes. this fiscal year. We're creating basically the framework for those who can't access recovery. It's expensive. Uh, tell me about it. Right. And I own a treatment center. It's expensive. And we're looking at most of the people that we see on the streets are yeah. Medi-Cal. Yeah. They can't get into the system. Yeah. There is no space for them in mm -hmm. recovery. There's no space in sober living. Yeah. And so it's really important that we provide these opportunities. Yeah. We're doing that, but we're building out the capacity with partners out in the community. So it's not growing this giant bureaucracy of the right. county in drug treatment. It's we have to go back out to the recovery community, build their capacity. Yeah. This also needs to happen around the county. 
You know, I, I love hearing this because so often someone that's so hurt, so full of shame, so guilty, just low self-worth, low value, you have no idea what an impact can make by a simple acknowledgement, right. like by, by just caring right, and just holding people high. And instead of writing people off, these are some of the most talented, hardworking. I mean, you can just imagine what people were doing to to use and, and, and get loaded. And when that's shifted into a healthy vision, and that can be caused by something as simple as eye contact, hey, compliments, genuine, heartfelt um, praise. Yes. Holding people highest. Well, and not feeling sorry for people and not lowering the bar and thinking yeah. this is where they will stay. I look at them and I want to raise the bar. Yeah. Because I invite them to dig deep. I know that they can do it. I have this genuine belief in people that they can overcome anything. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, a conversation that I had with a family member was, look, this can't be your story. Yeah. Your story is about to end. Speak it into being. You speak into people. <laughs> and I said, look, I, the thing is, I wish I could take the pen for you and I yeah. could rewrite your story. I wish I could do that because I can see it in a much yeah. different way. Yeah. But the beautiful thing about life is you can wake up tomorrow and you can decide that you can scrap this whole chapter and yeah. simply start over mm-hmm. and write, rewrite right. your story. And right. nobody ever needs to even think about the other part. But I think that we don't throw away that other piece because life is a journey. And the bad things that happen to us in life are what I consider to be the most beautiful things Mm -hmm. because those are what we learn from, grow from. Those give us the spice and the flavor. Right. And we share that. That's where all the fixings are. Yeah. (laughs) We share that with other people so that they look at it and understand that, yeah, there is hope there. But if we yeah. have leaders that don't even believe in people and want to constantly lower the bar. Well, and is that leadership? It's not leadership. Is that, you know, you know, I like leaders that are lifting everyone, that hold people high. And it's amazing how when you hold someone there and you speak to that, how crazy people rise up. They do. If you, it, They just need someone to believe in them. Yeah. Oh, that's powerful. I love it. Kristen, you are out here you're you're getting it you're you're causing cause you're making a change um we're getting close to wrapping it up here uh, i've got a, a couple last things what what would you say to someone right now who's who's currently struggling who's currently you know feeling pretty hopeless and just kind of doesn't know what to do there's a part of every human being that's unbreakable yeah you can be thrown the worst life circumstances, be in the darkest times. And someone had described to me the, the story of the Wizard of Oz. You know, everyone's searching for Oz, thinking yeah. that that's the, the person to fix it all. Mm-hmm. But through that story, you learn that all of those characters inherently had those qualities. They just lost sight of them. I love that. So it's people beautiful. sometimes lose sight of those unbreakable qualities. It's about yeah. rediscovering that. And it's, it's just about the next choice. It's about making good decision after good decision and, and yeah. really focusing hard. And it's going to be a tough journey and a painful one too, yeah. but it's worth it. Yeah. And I know that because I look into the eyes of people who have made that journey yeah. and they're the most incredible people that I value, that inspire me every day. And they're people that I look to for hope mm-hmm. that we can fix some of society's biggest problems, but we 
we need these stories. We need people to be proud about themselves. Yeah, and we get to come together and really connect. And that's where the love is. That's where the heart is. Oh, my gosh. Where can people find you? So traditional ways, you can go on Facebook, you can go on all the social media, Twitter. Traditional ways Oh, yeah, here. Kristen Gaspar, yeah. Supervisor Kristen <laughs> Gaspar. Reach out, please. I'd love to hear yeah. your stories. I'd love to hear your personal narratives, yeah. the journey. I build what I call my empowerment team. Usually I have my empowerment bracelet on. Yeah. But these are people that are willing to share their stories. I need more of them. I need people with all sorts of life situations that they've overcome. And I need to hear from you because you're part of my team. People, you have a voice, you matter, you're important, reach out and support our elected officials that care, that are actually out here doing this. She did not need to come here today. You, do, I mean, you, you, you do not need to do half the things that you're doing, but you're doing it because your heart's in it, because you care, and because you're committed to seeing a difference. Well, I'm so fortunate to be here and just outreach to the community and... We need to get more elected officials understanding, um, especially uh, issues with addiction mm-hmm. and recovery. Oh, and yeah. In doing so, we can make some pretty radical changes throughout the county. Let's do it. Y'all heard it here first. This has been another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. Stay tuned. We love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.